Clover Days Collective. This is Take Two. Is Take Two. Hello, Thomas. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing, by the way? I'm doing all right, thanks. Oh, we got into bad. it. I stopped yeah. him midway through like yeah. a solid round. I'm not, not too bad, not too bad. Not too bad. Okay, that's good to hear. Thank yeah. you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ellen. Nice to be here. I'm going to tell you something, and I held back on telling you this when right. we first arrived. But when I started this podcast, it's on my bucket list. Like once we're done, right. I'm going to tick it off, which is... I want to learn about the traveler community. Right, okay. I think, and I'm sure that you agree with it, is that you are severely underrepresented when it comes to media and content. Yeah. And I feel like whenever travelers are spoken about, it's usually a protest that dwindles down after a week Mm -hmm. or so, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for joining me. I or, also, or even even not you know kind of or even worse most of the media coverage you know uh, particularly in the past and we've tried to do a lot of work to change it was extremely negative exactly which reinforces stereotypes and mm. and reinforces the racism and exclusion you know mm-hmm. so this you know so uh, so hopefully you know with more travelers involved and indeed more more shows like this and other shows that begins to change you know that begins to change because it does influence how people uh, see the world. I mean, we, all you have to do is look at, and uh, not comparing travelers to the situation that's happening in Ukraine, but you, you just have to look at Russia and the control of the media and see, you know, how that uh, kind of uh, influences what people believe and what they think, you know, mm-hmm. not saying that the media is totally controlled, but if that mindset is there and people are excluded from that, then that voice doesn't come in and, you know, okay. the reality in people's lives doesn't come into it either. That, and also I think it's, I think it's good that the likes of you and Senator Eileen Flynn speak out and all that, where you're sh- you're representing what a traveler means beyond just the cultures and even based on like your education and like what you and your activism. And yeah, all that. I think. Well, I think there's a you know there, there in particularly in the last twenty years or so, thirty years, I've been involved quite a long time in traveler activism, and uh, more and more travelers now are involved across the country. You know. And so that does make a difference, you know, and there's a lot of, there's a diversity in the community as well. There's not, it's like any community, you know, there's not one way of being a traveler. Or there's not, I'm sure there's not one way of being Maltese, Maltese yeah, you know, for sure. there's diversity in the exactly. community. And I think, you know, stereotypes doesn't allow for diversity, you know. No. no, and I actually have stereotypes written down over here. So let's start from the basics, right? For anyone, mm-hmm. what does being a traveler mean well you're born into a culture like any culture you know and uh, you know there's that culture has many aspects to it you know kind of um you know in terms of uh, um you know nomadism for instance traveling i was saying earlier on i'm i was born in dublin but i traveled quite a lot so you know so although i'm from dublin i identify with dublin uh, kind of in one way you know but i'm a traveler you know that kind of way and irish there should be you know so um so nomadism but also then uh, the experience of growing up as a traveler is, is has been different now it might be very similar there might be similarities now because a lot of people a lot of travelers have been forced to settle and kind of and there's less traveling so uh, but still it's different you're going there's a it's a different kind of way of being. I suppose it's like any two cultures, uh, you know, kind of if you compare them, you see 
there's some similarities in them, but there's also some differences, you know, mm. language, for instance, you know, the music, stories, you know, uh, kind of beliefs, you know, uh, kind of, now, not all the people, but to be common enough, you know, uh, things, norms, values, traditions, you know, kind of, uh, and also like even employment would have been very different. You know, uh, a lot of travelers would have been self-employed, you know, kind of, and trades and crafts and that, uh, particularly um, prior to industrialization, you know, and this is where I think, you know, kind of the situation that travelers are in today are certainly as a result of government action, as a result of industrialization. We moved to industrialization around the 1950s, 40, late 40s, early 50s. Um, to an industrialized capitalist economy. And that took away a lot of the the work that travelers did, which which the settled community were dependent on. So mm -hmm. there was an interdependency there. And when that happened, you know, a lot of policies were uh, made uh, towards travelers, a lot of assimilation policies and stuff like that and, and others. The idea was to kind of uh, um, solve what they call the itinerant problem once and for all. You know, that was, so I'd encourage people to read that. There was a report done in 1963. Actually, it's very interesting that they did similar reports. Uh, like it was based on the whole idea of uh, subculture poverty. Yeah? Okay. And I don't want to go into it too much, but the subculture poverty's theory is that as a result of poverty, a culture emerges. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And this culture continues then, yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas travelers had been there for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Yeah, they did you know? rise up. So this idea, but it was used to actually kind of uh, undermine the culture. Yeah, they did I the see. same, interestingly enough, to produce some of the similar reports for the black people in the United States in the, in the 1960s. Yeah. Uh, so it was happening in other places, likewise the Sami people in Finland and other mm. other areas. So there was this, um, but for travelers, certainly that was a kind of a, the state, you, every arm of the state was used to try and eradicate travel culture. Mm. So that's why I think a lot of the problems that we have today, and I think that mindset, the sum of that mindset that's still there, that mindset hasn't changed, even though the language has changed. It's moved from itinerance to, to travelers, from assimilation to, an, uh, to integration, to inclusion. All of that's great. But actually, the changes on the ground is what tells us that this has, in fact, many people would say it has got, and it has got worse. If you look at the statistics, tells that it has got worse. So right now, tra travelers right now, just uh, your regular like traveler family, let's put it that way. Yeah. There's 31,000 travelers in Ireland. Currently. Yeah, are there, are there about zones being... Counting people is a political issue, just to say okay, that. Okay, carry on, yes. Because... You know, there's always been an undercount in local authorities because they didn't want to have to accommodate the travelers in their area. Stop. You know, so and then also travelers who was living in the house, you weren't deemed to be a traveler any longer because it was seen as you were only a traveler because you were traveling. You know, uh, so there was this under, uh, undermining of culture because culture is much more, more than the nomadism. Nomadism is only one part of it. It's like the tinsmithing, which was only one part of it, or mm -hmm. other aspects of it. Uh, but there was always an undercount. So it's only in recent times that we've started to kind of, like there was no, um, uh, uh, there was no kind of question in the census up until I think about 2016. That's crazy. You know, 
That's so, crazy. so like there was that. So there was always an undercount. So even at that, there's I think you know kind of there's there's probably a lot more travellers who's not identified in 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 there. In, in fact, <laughs> I remember coming across that statistic. I mean, I know it can't be like like it's looking at the number. It looked too small. Yeah. In my opinion, anyways, but yeah. uh, I don't know if it could just be like my exposure to. Well, also now there is a high rate of 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 kind of mortality in the travel community because yes. there's a very low life expectancy, about mm-hmm. 15 years less than the settled community. I remember reading an article that said that men are considered middle-aged at like 19 or something like well, that. Well, I wouldn't say they're considered <laughs> no, middle-aged at 19. That's what I was saying No, well. I don't think, I don't, wouldn't, they wouldn't be considered the, middle-aged. Maybe they were exaggerating. But <laughs> certainly, yeah, I think maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but certainly, you know, kind of uh, that, you know, it's a very young population. So, yeah. you know, kind of, you have a lot of younger marriages in, in, in the community, and mm. but you have a lower life expectancy. So, you know, it's nearly the reverse of the settled community when you see the life expectancy. And that actually has got worse. In the 1980s, there was a study done by uh, uh, by Dr. Joe Barry, yeah, 1987, on travellers, on travellers' health. And at that stage, um, mortality rates among traveller among travellers, traveller men, was 12 years, I think it was 12 years less than the settled community. Now it's 15 years less. In 2010, there was a study done by UCD and they found that uh, that's now 15 years less. And it's the same for women. It has increased for mortality rate. It has has got worse for, for traveler women. Uh, so some of the statistics has actually got worse since the 1980s. And considering that technology, when it comes to health in general, has improved drastically. Has improved. Within yes. five years, you yeah. can even say, you know what I yeah. mean? Which yeah. is... So, yeah. so like, and also the infant mortality rate mm-hmm. hasn't changed. It's three times higher. It was three times higher in, in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. It's still three times higher now for travelers. And I'm, I'm going to, like, pardon me if I ask very um, basic questions sometimes, yeah, but no, I really well, want to make yeah, sure yeah. that, like, everyone is understanding. But when it's, let's say, infant mortality and all that kind of stuff, yeah. travelers, uh, tra- pregnant traveler women are going to hospitals, right? Or yes. is it, it's not childbirths yeah. at home? So, no, it's not childbirths at home, it's, yeah. it's hospitals. So, yeah, so there isn't anything within the culture that, um, I'm trying to think, is it, I think it's Jehovah's Witness or something, which, which is a group that kind of um, draws the line when it comes to certain like medical procedures and all no, that. No, no, that wouldn't be the case yeah. at all. I mean, really the conditions that travelers are living in and mm-hmm. the exclusion and the, and the racism that they face contributes to this sure. scenario. Yeah. Uh, so this, you know, and the lack of culturally inclusive kind of services as well. So, I mean, in that study, I think in the study in 2017, or it could be in 2010, the All-Ireland Traveller Health Study, or indeed the other study in 2017, uh, about 40% of travellers who attended the health service uh, uh, said that they felt discriminated against. You know, now that's the health services. So, uh, so we need to change. We need to change that picture. Otherwise, we're going to continue. It's going like, to keep getting worse. Yeah, and it is going to getting worse. I mean, one of the key things that has got worse in that time, and we didn't have it, is mental health. The suicide have, epidemic. Yes, we have. A, that's got in the last. You know, the last twenty years or so. It's 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 now we're in a crisis point. You know, and we can see that we can see the rise of that as well. You know, and that coincides with other things that happened. Um, you know, in 2000, and I think it was 2000, and 
2004, 2003, 2004, there was a woman called Mary Rose Walker that did a study on suicide. And these studies are available, you know, if people want to look them up. And she found that suicide was three times higher at that stage than in the settled community. Now, that was 2003, 2004, oh, three times higher. Uh, you know, uh, the last study that was done was in 2010. It was seven times higher. Now, no other study has been done since. Wow. So that was the, the figures that you hear in terms of seven times higher was done in 2010. Yeah. So we haven't, there hasn't been another study since. So, sure. but that, them figures, like if we, if we look at the, what happened during that time, we see a lot of um, uh, kind of legislation coming in, yeah? Mm -hmm. Like the anti-trespass legislation, mm -hmm. which actually prevents travelers from traveling. So you don't see travelers parked on the side of the road anymore. You don't. Like if you were to come here uh, in, say, 1999, yeah. you'd see a lot of travelers throughout the country. I wanted to ask you, actually, what was your childhood like as a traveler? My childhood? I... Um, I was uh, I was born in the in the Coombe in the Liberties, you know the old Coombe in the Liberties, and uh, the first place my mother uh, we camped was on a place called the Long Mile Road. This was where travellers moved to when they first came to Dublin, and this, you know, uh, so we were there. Ballyfermot at the time, a lot of travellers had moved to Ballyfermot from the country, so okay. we we were living in a barrel top wagon. I don't know if you've... Uh, yeah, I've yeah. seen photos. Yeah. I'll add one right yeah. here because it's a video anyway. So. Uh, we were living in a barrel top wagon and uh, and so we were living out around Ballyfermot, at the Nace, out around the Nace Road, out around that area of Dublin, Dublin mm -hmm. 10. At the time, uh, a lot of travellers was living, had moved up to Dublin and uh, because there was no work in the country, you know, people had to move to the cities. It was 1959, you know, so it was the late 50s uh, uh, and then into the early 60s. And uh, so, uh, so at that time, there was, you know, kind of people were being moved all the time by the corporation. In fact, they, you wouldn't be allowed, the minute you pull in, somebody would move you on. So they didn't want travellers stopping anywhere. And uh, and then so we grew up in in, um, in Ballyferm and in around Ballyferm. Cherry Orchard was a big, Cherry Orchard was a, a site of a huge resistance. One of the first resistances in terms of travellers mobilizing and digging a trench to stop an eviction and uh, built our own school, for instance, you know. Um, and uh, the council actually pulled it down and burned it. Uh, Did you so go to that school? I don't know. I don't remember the school. No, I was very okay. young. I would have been about maybe five, four or five at the time. That was in that was in Cherry Orchard. I probably did actually go into it, but I don't remember being there <laughs> because if there was something happened. This was a big field. Yeah. Okay. You have to understand. This was a big field upset Cherry Orchard Hospital. I don't know if you know Cherry Orchard, if people are watching. But Cherry Orchard Hospital is at the top of Ballyfermot. It's at the other end of Ballyfermot. If you're going towards Clondalkin or Parmistown, yeah. And it used to be the fever hospital, yeah. And uh, once you got to a certain stage in Ballyfermot, the houses stopped and uh, and then you had a hospital. On the opposite side of the road, there was a huge big field, you know, like a huge big field. And I think there was about, there must have been about two or three hundred travellers on the field, you know, nice. uh, and they were living in, in bar-top wagons and some people were living in tents. A lot of people were living in tents at that stage, okay. you know, didn't have... Um, a barrel top there they had a tent and so anything that was happening in the field especially around kids everybody knew about it everybody kind of would be on it uh, so I we were there for um, for a while until, until that everyone got evicted off it eventually mm. you know uh, so we did and then we kind of moved on to a site and that um, uh, in Ballyferm one of the first sites still there it's 
you know, elaborate park. It's not in great condition. It's it kind of, it's, it's, you know, they built it in 1967. Okay. You know, it wasn't travellers that came up with the idea of sites, you mm. know. Uh, it was it was the local authorities that came up with the idea. Um, actually, the committee, this committee, who was part of the government's response, which was the the report I said earlier on, they thought, uh, they went off to uh, Holland and they had a look at what they were doing in Holland to, tra- to travellers and the Dutch travellers and Roma and different groups. Now, Dutch travellers are very like Irish travellers in a way as well. Okay, didn't know that. Yeah, and to be different from Roma, you know, there's different groups within the, within, uh, within the, that, the whole community. And um, anyway, in Holland, they had built these sites, yeah. And, uh, and uh, this group thought, oh, this would be a good idea. It, and they were, they were built in a way that you weren't, they were, they were meant to be a transition into, into settlement, yeah? Okay. This was your transition into settlement, so it couldn't be too comfortable. So a lot of the sites that was built wasn't built to be comfortable. Mm. They were built that you'd move into, into a house, that they would move you into a house and that you would settle and give up your way of traveling. Yeah? I see. So this was a transition into, into settlement. And even some of the sites, if you look at some of the sites, they're absolutely, you know, they're not really nice places to live. You know, yeah. I'm, going to make the, I'm going to make the assumption that travelers were not consulted in this no, decision of the no, sites. No, there was no no consultation around, you know. Now, What's needed. Yeah. Um, uh, so a lot of the sites, if you look at the sites, particularly, they were, they were built very badly. There's no, there's no play areas in them. There's no greenery at all. There's no... No amenities. A lot of them are built beside canals. I mean, that one that, that I lived in, in Bally Farm, and I'm not, you know, I think it's, you know, a lot of people live there. So, you know, it's, you know, kind of, it was just where they were built. They were built in an industrial estate. There was a canal. There was pylons that run over them, big pylons, you know. Wow. I mean, you wouldn't, housing estates doesn't have a pylon run, running over your head, you know, kind yeah. of, you know, because uh, it's meant to be not safe, you know. So Crazy. some of the places that were, and children kind of, you know, and a lot of these places now are overcrowded because they're not, they haven't been building travel accommodation for mm. quite a long time. So, you know, even though, they, as I said earlier on, they have the money and, and put it back. But that was where I grew up. I grew up in that. But we okay. moved out of the site. Okay. And then you back just on the like road. back on the road yeah. too? Around, mainly around Dublin and around, you know, kind of County so you Dublin. East Coast. Kind of. East Coast, yeah. Okay. And uh, around, around that. And, uh, you know, kind of my father had horses, kept horses. So. Uh, so he went out. Well, he had a four wheeler. It was called a four wheeler. It's uh, it's a big cart, you know, yeah. with four wheel. You know, one of them ones. And uh, so he went out and collected scrap and yeah. did all of that. And you know, uh, so I did. And uh, so we we, we okay. worked at that, you know. And then uh, I went to school and on that site, which was an all traveller school. Okay. And uh, how was that for for you? a few years? It was. It was all right. I mean, I didn't learn very much in it. I mean, I don't know whether that's a reflection of the teachers or a reflection of where I was at, but yeah. didn't learn very much. And then I went to a settled school for for a short period of time. And I think that was about the size of it, you know. Okay. I left school when I was about 12. We're going to talk about travel or everything. Yeah. But I want yeah. to ask you one thing. Yeah, go on. Could you think of a memory or a story that like really makes you smile that travelers listening to this can feel like a little bit nostalgic and proud to be a traveler. That's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, uh, most of the stuff happened within the community. There was no kind of, like up until, you know, um, maybe 
uh, anything you'd see on television. You wouldn't see travellers on television a lot, you know, and it's only in the last 20 or 30 years that you see travellers on television, you know. And, you know, but of course there are, there are moments, you know, kind of uh, like that really kind of, that you do feel very proud, you know, kind of to be a traveller, you know, kind of um, whether that's, you know, somebody representing Ireland in the Olympics, like Francie Barrett, for instance, okay. you know, carrying the flag for Ireland, even though, you know, kind of, if, uh, you know, he wasn't kind of didn't get the best treatment in the world, even though he represented Ireland, you know, mm. but that, that moments like that, you know, you, that, that you think, wow, you know, that, that like w- against all the odds, Francie, Francie used to um, uh, train in a, in a, in a, a container, you know, in, what sport did he compete in? In boxing. Oh. You know, uh, in a container in, 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 in Galway, you know, and like, and like other travelers, you know, he like that, that's really kind of struggled and come through that, you know, kind of. Yeah, the story. Uh, against all the odds, mm. you know, uh, that's what kind of, you know, what I, what I kind of look on. Nan Joyce, you know, uh, in 1982, there was a huge protest against travelers on the, on the tele- one of the reasons I got involved in as a travel activist was because of the protest that was going on in, uh, in Tala, in the Tala, on the Tala bypass. And there was loads of travellers, but there was all these settled vigilantes, mm. you know, who coming out marching families, you know, with small kids and, you know, and, and threatening and intimidating and burning trailers as well and setting up roadblocks. And nobody was arrested. Nobody was doing anything. You know, these guys were setting up roadblocks and you had to show that you lived on the road on the on that road to get in into the area you know you mm. had to show your you know uh, these was vigilantes you know and so um so nan in the middle of all this chaos who was uh, quite an activist uh, and a relative of mine actually uh ran for election ran for a general election and uh you know got quite a lot of votes because there was a silent a number of silent people a silent majority who couldn't come out and say they supported travellers because of the intimidation I see. by the vigilantes. Now, there's quite a lot of vigilantes as well, but there was more people who were staying silent. And Nan brought that silent voice out. Amazing. You know, and, and got it out. So that was that was quite a moment. That was the first time ever that a traveller ran for election in Ireland, you know. And won? Uh, no, she didn't. Unfortunately, she didn't win. She Okay. There was a uh, trumped up charges brought up during the election, which, you know, which, you know, um, which was dropped later, you know, mm. and then, you know, kind of. Um, but anyway, that's, you know, but she got enough, enough votes to, to kind prove of people to kill, yeah. to kill uh, the opposition in mm. terms of the, the vigilantism yeah. that was going on, you know, uh, which was great, you know. So times like that, you think, you know, likewise, Rosella MacDonald, there was a woman, she had 12 children. At the time, uh, living in in very very bad accommodation in, in Tala, she took a case to the High Court around accommodation. Okay. Uh, Mary Robinson actually was the barrister at the time, who became the president of Ireland. Okay. And they won the case, and it turned on its head all the evictions that was happening. Like in terms of you know you had to be offered accommodation by a local authority before they could evict you, whereas before they just pull up at three or four in the morning and you had no rights at all, you know, no matter how many children you had or what situation mm. you were in. And times like that, you know, uh, you kind of think, wow, you know, kind of. Mm. But I, there's also other things, you know, there's musicians and singers who, you know, like uh, who's reached kind of a certain amount of fame as well. Yeah. 
I have a cousin, Paddy Keenan, he plays the Ellen Pipes, you know, uh, master of the pipes, you know. Uh, so he's internationally renowned piper. People like Pecker Don, who's dead now, you know, um, Margaret Barry, who got award for a uh, cultural award here in Ireland, won the cultural awards here in Ireland. You know, there's many people like that, you know, and now, even in terms of right now, there's many people who's kind of, who's really kind of against all the odds, you know, mm. against all of that, who's coming through, you know, and uh, and I think they inspire and they, that's what, you know, kind of uh, younger people also look up to and say, well, For sure. you know, kind you, of. You need those models at the end of the day. You do, and, you know, yeah. and bringing back that and the language, you know, a revival of the language because, you know, because um, the system was so undermined travel culture so much. The children going through school were kind of, you weren't allowed to be a traveler, really, you know, kind of, they weren't, you weren't encouraged, you were discouraged, you were, so your language, everything, you know, kind of was discouraged. So you can imagine the impact that that has had on the culture, you know, and on the internalization of that by younger travelers as well, where they have to hide their identity, you know, yeah. to get into an interview, you know. That's the other thing that I was going to ask you because of, like one thing that was shocking to me when I started to learn about like travelers is that quite often they have to like, let's say if they want to like book a birthday party or something, yeah. they file like a different name. Yeah. Yeah. Or get us like, I mean, or a wedding. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and that's going on right now. I know people right now, travelers right now. Now, I mean, right now. Yes. Yes. Who's looking for hotels. Uh, to get married in. I can't get a hotel. And one woman uh, told me about an incident where, you know, uh, she went into a hotel and uh, there was, a, 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 you know, a woman from another country on the desk, you know, and from a foreign country. And she, and, and the tra look. travel woman said, can I book, book the hotel? And she said, oh yeah, sure. And she started to put it in the book. And then this other Irish woman who was over in another desk said, can I talk to you for a minute? And she came back and said, sorry, we have two diaries. Sorry, I didn't realize we had two diaries. And I'm sorry that 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 date is booked up. But that's a common, you know, and it's so distressing for people getting married. So for young travelers getting married. Now, that's gone on right now. Now, I know people who's actually now today yeah. looking for a hotel to get married in and can't get it as soon as. And that's because of the racism that's gone on yeah. in Ireland. So even with the equality legislation that came out in 2000, I was very involved in it and it was on the board of the Equality Authority. It hasn't changed that. It hasn't. Mm -hmm. You know, that's still very much there. And they say, oh, no, we booked out on that date or, you know, we're double booked. So, so travelers get settled people to book the hotel, try and book a hotel for them. You it's know? horrible. The case that I saw on Twitter was about a funeral service yeah. where it got shut down afterwards like the guards showed up at the uh, pub or uh, the whole town like, sometimes closes down when there's a funeral you know that that was a common practice that you know your funeral is on and the whole, no matter what family it is in any part of the country the, whole, the, the town closes down and is there a reason besides racism being like no because you can't do that to a whole community i mean of course like i mean if we were to do that no one in dublin would be served with all the shootings and stabbings you know kind of you wouldn't that, that, that's sorry uh, yeah you know? exactly and that's that's what I was trying to like figure out, which is, of course, 
there are people and we will discuss it there are people within communities and you actually i i have your quotes over here where you talk about feud and conflict mm. within the community mm. that has to end yeah and i mean there's there's, there's there's reasons for that but of course like in every community you're going to have oh you know a whole range of different people exactly you know so but like to say that like I know Martin Luther King in his, you know, kind of in that, uh, you know, I have a, a you know, a, a dream speech. He talks about that idea of, you know, kind of that, you know, that really it's about the group that you come from. It's not about, you know, you as a, your character or your kind of just you, it, mm. you know, it's the group. That's what's seen, you know, so uh, so it has nothing to do with you, you know. So if you were born a traveler, it doesn't matter you know, whether you're good, bad or indifferent because you're a traveler and because that stereotype and that racism is so ingrained in Irish society and that became so normalized and still is. I mean, if you like, you know, if you hear people talking about travelers, they're not going to, a lot of the time, they're not going to be using the word traveler, you know. It's a keyword. Yeah, they're going to be, you know, and that's like, that seems to be very normal. You know, mm -hmm. so when a traveler's around, they might use, they'll use a different word, we, yeah. you know, kind of, but, uh, but most of the time, you know, and I know a, settled, a lot of settled people who work with travelers who lost a lot of friends because the, because of the racism in, among their own friends. So they lost a lot of friends working with travelers because of working with travelers, because they couldn't, they were saying, well, hang on a second. And they, and they ended up challenging a lot of their own friends. As they should. You know, and but their friends, sometimes you lose friends, and even families, you know, families kind of, okay. uh, they don't separate, but they certainly fall yeah. out over it because some families are quite, uh, you know, racist towards travelers. And that would have been ingrained. That would have been the norm growing up for settled people in this society. You could, it, it would have been impossible to escape it. You'd want to be living somewhere on the moon or something yeah. to escape it. Really, it's like, it's so pre it was so prevalent and still is in society that it's, you know, kind of, um, it's still there and like there's more subtle ways now that it's practiced, mm -hmm. but it's but it's actually still having that impact on travelers. I mean, like all you have to do is look at the statistics and see where travelers are at and, you, you, it, uh, you know, that's the reality of it. And... Is, does this go back to the lack of education on the traveller community? No, education, education, no. It doesn't go back to the lack of education, certainly. The education system in Ireland, uh, and particularly, uh, you know, kind of... Now, you know, if you look at, if you look at kind of the education system, uh, for travellers, it was about kind of uh, trying... To, it wasn't even about education. Travellers wasn't educated properly in this country. Travelers was put into a special classes. They weren't. I never got homework. You know, my whole life. Seriously. Seriously. Now, some people might say, "Great, you got no homework." I'm, I'm sure, know? as a kid, you were like, "No, awesome. I wanted homework." You wanted I, homework. I, I, wanted, I didn't have that. I understand you that were, entirely. You didn't get it any time. You never got it. You never got homework. But that's setting. You're going to be like, "No shit." There was no there, expectations like, for travelers. You were never yeah. going to amount wow. to anything. This is the whole system. This was the whole education system. Like, if you talk, and it'd be interesting to get other travelers' views on this as well. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so if there's travelers less than an or whatever. Reach out to me. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just send a, <laughs> send a, a text or whatever. Uh, and not, 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 not that I'm pushing out your show there, but. Uh, oh no, please do. Carry you know, on. <laughs> you know, but, uh, 
But no, travellers didn't get homework. And that's up until recently. That's up until quite recently. They got no homework. In fact, as a community worker, when I was working with a group uh, doing a, I was, uh, was running, helping run a course with travellers out, um, out, out in the south side of Dublin. It was in, back in the, in the, in the, I'd say around the 90s, early 90s. And um, uh, I was doing um, uh, training with them around community development because I studied community development and, you know, in, in college uh, in the 80s. Yeah. Was it hard for you considering the fact that you were not given homework to then like go like, into you, the education You system? didn't do any of the lessons. Yeah. You were sitting at the, at the back of the class or you, you know, and so you How could, did you find college, so? College was a real struggle. Yeah. <laughs> college was a... Especially when they were back in the 1980s. Like kudos you know, to you, honestly. You know, like. uh, it was a real struggle. And, um, you know, kind of um, uh, at the time, it, you, you know, going back and doing that was it was very, very challenging, you know. I can only imagine. And, and, um, but I got through it and kind of, you know, now it's still very low. I mean, less than 1% of travelers are now in the university. But at that stage, there was... Were was, you encouraged there, by your family to go or did you find some backlash? <laughs> they weren't, uh, they were saying, like I remember being uh, my family, my parents saying, because the, like one thing is that your parents always try to protect you, yeah? Parents I try see. to protect you, yes, yeah? Yes, From disappointment, yeah? I see. And, uh, and I remember um, my mother who was, she was, she hardly went to school, but she was really well educated. She she hardly okay. went at all. She could really kind of, you know, she was, but she said, would you not, um, would you not try and find something else, you know, kind of do something else? Because, you know, because she felt this is not, this is only going to end in tears for you, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of way. And uh, like I said, no, this is what I'm doing and we'll see where it goes, you know, but I was, a, I, I had come through activism into that. So I was okay. coming, I wasn't. Like I was, I wasn't doing it as a career kind of. I was mm. doing it to, as an activist. Be a better activist. As, as, be a better. How to mobilize people? That's I what I wanted to Got kind of study. You know, um, so uh, so for me it was a little bit different. But that there were your parents always tried to protect you from that kind of thing. So they will, you know, because that has been the experience of many travelers to go to school. What's the point? The question is, well, what's the point if you can't get a job or you can't? Mm. It's not, you know, kind of you you study for this and you can't get a job. I appreciate you actually saying that right now, because I think a lot of people perceive it as, oh, they, their own parents aren't telling their, aren't encouraging their kids to pursue an education, blah, 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 blah. When in reality, the parents only know so much yeah but also to do like you know uh, you know Ariane? my my um my my mother and father and certainly any travelers i know always made a huge effort even when they were on the side of the road to get their kids into the local school and certainly my mother did as well you know and that was the norm that travel families tried to get them into the local school kind of you know and get them as educated as they could because you know that, they felt that that was necessary but they also felt that, look, you know, kind of, there's a, there's a huge amount of disappointment because the education system wasn't educating travellers properly. Mm. Like, you know, or if you, like, I mean, if there was a few travellers in, in the school, it didn't matter about their ages, they'd be all put into a special class. So you could have like seven-year-olds in with 12-year-olds or, you know, kind of, and you weren't given lessons. You were given, you could draw on that, but you weren't really given lessons, you know. Now that's began to change, but like you can see why we have a whole, you know, range of uh, travellers and travellers aren't, um, they're smart people. And, you know, of course, you get a diversity in the community, but travellers are generally like most of the travellers who's gone to, who went to Alton College 
did it on their own steam after they left, after you know, as 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 young adults, you know, yeah, uh, both men and women who had families like myself, you know, who had went back and, and did it, you know, so mm. and who had very little education. Some of them emerged from school really illiterate after years, you know. My brother came out of school and he. You know, he was illiterate after doing years in school. And like now he he taught himself, you know, so like a lot of people taught themselves kind of, you know. It's interesting. You said at the start of this conversation, you said they're naturally like self-employed, like it's nearly an entrepreneurial. It was, you found, yeah. Self-taught, self-employed. Yeah, well, it, well, it was like that. Well, it was passed on as well, you know, like, you know, from, uh, you know, in, intergenerational um, skills was passed on, you mm-hmm. know, and there was a break in that with industrialization because a lot of people were tinsmiths or, you know, uh, doing other crafts and stuff like that, you know, or yeah. uh, things. But when, with industrialization, plastics and mechanization, that all changed that, you know, it changed that whole picture yeah. in some ways. But you know, there was a different kind of response to the settled people who, who was like small farmers and that who had to change than there was for, for travellers, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was. In what other ways are travellers discriminated against in society? I think there's, there's very few ways that they're not, you know, kind of like, I mean, and to goods and services, you know, and particularly kind of, you know, um, like the, there's a lot of similarities between other other groups like if you take african americans in the us or if you take uh, the aboriginal community or if you take you know kind of uh, the maori community or any of them communities you see very similar pictures you know uh, first nations you know and we have a lot of contacts with some of them groups like in first nations the like the huge very high suicide rates mm. you know alcohol and drug drug problems huge unemployment very, very similar. There's very a lot of similarities to it, but it's like it's across the board, you know. Uh, now you might have one traveler getting through that net, you know, like and you know, and uh, uh, whether it's the college or whether it's in the job. I mean, look at I mean an example of this, and I'm not saying any of us are going to reach the uh, the presidency of Ireland, but if you look at Barack Obama, for instance. You look at Barack Obama. People thought the election of Barack Obama was going to be the end of kind of not the end but certainly uh, the beginning of the end of racism in the yes. US yes no way no because like it's like this thing you can have somebody coming through like you talked about Francie Barrett on one level mm. representing Ireland and carrying the flag it didn't there was no change at all towards the attitude to travelers on the ground you know? for sure and I think that comes with just policy making in general and unfortunately where the media plays a role in things where Sometimes I think people think that talking about something is enough when it's not really the case. So media coverage of Barack Obama is not enough. Yeah. You now, know? Barack Obama, I really kind of admire Barack Obama. Oh, yeah. And he's inspirational. And, for sure. You know, sure. kind of, and I agree with a lot of what he said. But, but a lot of people also were then just like, no, you're not one of us anymore. You yeah. know, like you're one of the few or that sort of thing as well. Yeah, yeah, it can it can happen that way as well, you know. And like you look at it and you think, well, what changed? You know, what what's changed for, you know, when you see all the things that happen in the States, and I don't want to focus too much in the States, but when you see all the stuff that happens yeah. to the black community in the States, you think, well, what change has that made for for people on the ground? Likewise, we can, like we've been in meetings and we've had reports and we've had, recommendations we've had task forces we've had 
advisory groups we've had, you know, but on the ground here in Ireland, it hasn't translated into change for, for travellers, you know. Because it doesn't get votes. Yeah, it do- and like we're a small community, so like we're not, you know, we're a small community, so we need the support of settled yes. people. We need settled people to say, listen, because yeah. like otherwise this is this this doesn't end well, you know, no, this, no, no. this situation doesn't end well, you know. For sure. In 2017, you spoke up about the disproportionate number of travellers in prison population. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at that, there was a... a, a the Irish Penal Reform Trust did a did a um, did a study, and they found that uh, traveller women are twenty two times more likely to be arrested and imprisoned than settled women, you know, and eleven and eleven percent more likely for traveller men to be and imprisoned. I'm going to ask you this now: Is mm. it because of the poverty that they are more prone to committing crimes, or is it if I were to have a bag of weed and a traveller woman were to have a bag of weed, the exact same mm. amount of grams, she would get arrested, I would get a fine and a slap on the head. Yeah, there's, 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 there's a number of... no, And actually, it's very interesting because uh, Access to Justice report is a, a Limerick University and um, uh, ha- uh, there's a couple of people there from Limerick University involved, including Cindy Joyce, who's a traveller. A researcher, and they have been doing a study on access to justice for travellers, which they're about to launch that report. Uh, so they are. So that shows a bit more. But there's different kind of levels to this. One is the level of travellers being arrested by the guards. So, you know, in an area, if travellers were in an area, one is kind of, if there was a crime committed in the area, the first place the guards would go would be the travellers. Now, they didn't see... Now, the guards, hopefully, some guards are... We're trying to change that picture, so... But this traditionally was the way. So, you, you, um, you did, guards traditionally didn't see travellers as being victims of anything. They saw them as the perpetrators of, you know... So, uh, so that was the first... So, you were more likely to be arrested, to be stopped, to be searched. I know some areas where travellers get s- stopped and searched, particularly if you have certain names associated with travellers in certain areas, you'll get stopped and you'll get searched all the time, like maybe five, six times a day, you know, uh, getting stopped and searched. If you say anything, you're arrested. Oh. And, and then... But the chances are then, when you go to court... Um, you know, the chances are you don't get bail because you don't have an address. You, you had no, it was an NFA, you were no fixed address. So you didn't get, you didn't get bail. So guilty or innocent, you were put on. You were set up for failure you, from the you get-go. You were remanded in custody. Yeah. So when you came into the court from whatever charge, you were coming in from custody. So the whole thing, but, but like, and also then for crimes, much lesser crimes, travellers seem to get much higher sentences. Mm. You know, and then when you go into prison, the treatment of travellers into prison and the exclusion and that and the racism that happens within. Now, hopefully that's changing. We're trying to change that because there's a number of initiatives such as the Travellers in Prison Initiative that came out, that came as a res- on the back of that report. You know, Stevens Green Trust and a number of travel organisations came together and set up the Travellers in Prison Initiative, which is now working to a whole range of different uh, prisons, including DOCUS, where the women are, you know, kind of. we The Travel Council Service has a counsellor in DOCUS one day a week, uh, and there's a number of other uh, uh, supports going into the prison. So so hopefully there's, there's, a, there's a lot of work going on on the ground that people just not know about, but a lot of it is being initiated by, by travellers. Yeah. 
by the traveller groups, but people really don't see it. I mean, you mentioned the conflict, and I'm sure you have a question about conflict and uh, between interfamily conflict, you know. I mean, feuding, you know, we tend to stay away from that word, feuding, because it tends to lump everything in. Really what's going on is a conflict between two families. Yeah, uh, uh, people should watch Knuckle by, you know, on Netflix. How yeah. do you feel about that film? Well, I can watch it. I watched I, a little bit of yeah, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't really kind of, you know, I... I read the article uh, that the, the, you know, kind of uh, that they had done on the, on the on the Sunday Times, you know, and it doesn't, you know, like it, you know. I think some sometimes, um, you know, kind of um, movies or you know stories like that can sensationalize it or or yes. demonize it. You know, there's yeah. no balance as to the, it for doesn't sure. give a context for this. You know, no. And, you know, and I think, you know, I, so I don't watch them. I don't watch them programs. I just, now that's yeah. not just Knuckle. I just don't watch that, you know. In general. So I'm going to quote you. Thomas McCann, director of the Traveller Counselling Service, said, interfamily violence has devastating consequences. Mm. Mr. McCann said, the effect on families, individuals, children, such as people staying up all night because of fear that something might happen. Also, children and young adults that have been exposed to violence are more likely to participate in violence, and the mental health effects last much longer after the physical effects have healed. Yeah. And all of them, you know, kind of when you look at it, and studies show that, you know, uh, trauma, yeah? Yeah. Uh, and now you'll hear trauma used quite a lot because the, that's being looked at more and more, kind mm. of, uh, like it's like post-traumatic stress syndrome. You know, when people has been involved in violent conflict, whether it's war or whether it's kind of other types of, and have witnessed that, that stays with us. For it can stay with us for life, actually. Yeah. You know, unless we kind of find ways of addressing that. You know, so families, and you know, families have do stay up all night because, of course, if you feel you're going to be attacked, you're anxious, so your anxiety levels are very high, so you're not going to be able to sleep. Nightmares, kind of. Uh, families, the whole families are disrupted. Relationships are are ruptured between uh, brothers and sisters, between you know grandparents and grandchildren. You know, an extended family. If because there's inter, if there's intermarriage and there's a conflict, it ruptures the family. You know, mm. and then sometimes them families don't reconnect. That you know, and so so there's huge uh, suffering and trauma as a result of the conflict. And long after the physical damage has has passed, the f well, when I say physically, hopefully it's not too bad. Uh, but or the or the or the the damage to a uh, property, financial as well. Financial. Yeah. Long after that has passed, the trauma is still there, yeah. and you carry that in. And studies like the studies that have been on research that has been on that people who are exposed to violence are more likely to participate in violence, are more likely to participate in that violence. So it can create a cycle of violence as well. Uh, you know, kind of as people grow up and, you know, but for for children, for everybody in family. So trying to find ways of kind of looking at that, that we're never going to, conflict is always going to be with us. We're going to have conflict. I mean, you know, we're going to have arguments and different types of conflict. But what we're looking at is violent conflict, is the violence that that translating into violence, you know. And so, and but there's many causes for that. And one kind of... um uh, uh, way of looking at that, and but I think it's be beginning to be looked at more is is what's called horizontal violence. Yeah, horizontal violence. Paolo Freire, which was a 
an educationalist, uh, talked about horizontal violence and he talked about oppression. And when people are oppressed, and you see this in other groups as well, and this is the interesting thing, that, you know, when, when people are oppressed, they take it out on their own people. So if you have, say, the majority community do something to you, the response is very minimalist. It's very small towards that. And you see this with travelers as well. Mm. If a set of people do some of the travelers and the response is very kind of small. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if traveler does something to another traveler, the response is huge. So there's this difference in response. And that tells us that there's certainly an element of horizontal violence going on. And that's due to internalized oppression. Because we can't, you know, even though people might be thinking about that consciously, uh, the kind of theory is that we, that the oppressed don't take it out on the oppressor. They take it out on their own people because it's, it might be, it's, it's their outlet for, for that, you know. And so it's, it's just a very interesting theory. But there's other factors as well. If you have... You know, um, people who like we have 84 percent unemployment, mm. you know, uh, so, you know, in the, in the downturn in 2008, all the all the travel training centers was closed. So the young people who used to go to the travel training centers had nowhere to go, have nowhere to go. Like, I mean, the, you know, kind of most young people, young travelers leave uh, secondary school like in about a year and a half, two years into secondary school, they leave it. Yeah, you like know, age 15 or something. Yeah, yeah, so you have you have people sitting on sites, you know, they have no outlet, they have no opportunities, they have no, you know, trying to get a job is nearly impossible. If you talk to young travelers, they'll tell you, if you to get to the interview, they might send out loads of CVs not to get to an interview, so they don't get to the interview. So, so of course, there's a lot of drugs, kind of, not in every community, but a lot of drugs is creeping into, into the travel community, same as it is in, into other communities. So it's escaping from this boredom and, you know, kind of nothing to do. But also then there's laws in terms of the Market Trading Act, the Control of Horses Act, you know, so it minimizes all the time what, what travelers can do, you know. So... Like really, there's very little opportunities, uh, uh, and so that can kind of, you know, trigger something else much easier. If you're sitting bored or whatever, and there's nothing kind of, you know, nowhere for you to go. There's no opportunities. If you go downtown and you try to go into a pub or a bar with your friends, you're going to be stopped. You know, uh, so like this, it's so difficult for you. I think particularly for younger travelers. You know? For sure. That's what I was going to as well, where it's like the chances of them just having raging teenage hormones as well. Just yeah. like the, the world hates me. I yeah. hate the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get this can of beer because I wasn't allowed in and I'm going to toss it, you know? like. Well, well, the interesting <laughs> thing is that a lot of younger travelers don't do that towards settled people. That's what I'm they saying. They do it to each other. So. Yeah. So, they'll, they'll, so you ah. have this kind of internalized violence towards each other but not but very rarely towards because mm. the response of the state the response of the guards and that towards travelers is to do some of that it's like a, a sledgehammer I you see. know so uh, so you don't so for travelers it's uh you know and for other groups as well and you see this in other groups as well where they take it out on their own people rather than take it out on, on others now i'm not suggesting yeah. for a minute that Travelers should go off and take it out and itself. No, no. You know, it should be in a, in, a, in a kind of, a, in a, you know, in a, a positive yes. kind of <laughs> structured way. But but that's that's what... They're containing their anger and like... Yeah, and then and that, that, you know, now, I mean, in some, you know, some areas that, 
you know, as people kind of begin to have an analysis of that, that begins to change, you know. Yeah. Now, here, like, the, it's always, and we've always promoted kind of uh, peaceful protests, you know. We haven't promoted violence or, you know, uh, you know, so hopefully we never get to that stage that, you know, but in other, you look at other countries, one of the biggest, like most of the conflicts around the world are are, are ethnic conflicts are because of, you know, the, the, the denial of ethnicity or exclusion or racism, you know? For sure. Uh, just even usually, I think when we were, when you were talking about the US and all that, a lot of the times people say black on black crime is significantly yeah. higher. Yeah. I never yeah. thought of uh, I never heard the term horizontal violence, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it makes a lot of sense as well. Yeah, and I mean, it, it really does, you know, because we inter naturally we internalize things and we internalize oppression, you know, uh, so we do. Uh, that's how we learn. We internalize. We internalize our, our external environment and that's how we, you know, um, and kind of, so, so a lot of people internalize the oppression, mm -hmm. you know, and the racism. It's like internalized homophobia. It's like, yeah. you know, where, you know, kind of, and it's your own group you blame. Yeah. Rather than the state or the system that you're in. So you end up blaming your own people. For sure. You know, for the situation that, that they're in and that you're in. So, yeah. you know, so you can see how that happens, you know. When it comes to, so a lot of the time, whenever I bring up the, the traveler community with people from wider Ireland, sometimes they have a lot of questions mm -hmm. that they don't ask out of respect of culture sometimes. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you because here we are. When yeah. it comes to like, let's say, for example, a lot of people think about like young traveler women and just like getting married very yeah. young. Is that disrespectful to question? I don't think it's, there's different views, you know, like as I say, within every community. So not all travelers are in favor of exactly young, like, like that's marriages. like another stereotype where it's yeah. like you can't just look at the traveler woman and be like oh poor child bride yeah no no and it wasn't like that i mean it, it, um you know the younger marriages do happen among travelers and that has always been kind of part of part of travel culture not the, the total picture but certainly okay. part of it you know kind of um and that is something that that families but it's not about you know kind of um you know, a lot of people kind of, that's, it's like, like in other, again, other communities, we have to look at other communities, traditional communities. Like if you look at, say, say some of the Asian communities in, even in the UK or, or which is our closest neighbors, you mm -hmm. see uh, similar traditions. If you look at other traditions, you know, um, uh, so you do. Uh, so that wouldn't have been kind of uncommon. It wouldn't have been in com uncommon in Ireland, uh, even, you know, kind of. Um, and there's like when you go back into history, there's reasons for that. But but um, like in terms of people only meeting up every so often. And so, you know, kind of because you wouldn't be staying in the one place with your neighbors. And, yeah. you know, here, here we are like and, you know, so you'd be meeting up every so often and kind of. And, and so, so there'd be a number of factors for that. And a lot of the marriages would have been in the past arranged marriages. So there wouldn't have been kind of, you know, there would have been kind of matched weddings and would have happened then when people were old enough to get married and that, you know. But a lot of younger travelers, um, 
played a role in the family, you know. So you had to play a role in the family. You had an active role in the family. You didn't, you know, so you kind of, you took on a role at a, at a young age. So, you know, so traveler men, young traveler men took on a much, a much more kind of adult role at a younger age. And likewise, younger women, you know. So yeah. it wasn't the same as the settle. It's not like with like, you know. Okay. Uh, so they had took on responsibilities. Now, you know, that's, there's good things and there's bad things about that. And I mean, you know, <laughs> like myself growing up, I had to take on responsibilities. And I was thinking, I, I hated taking on responsibilities. I wanted to go off and do what all the other young fellas was doing and, you know, play football all day. But that wasn't going to happen. Uh, uh, so, um, but... You know, so the, it's not like with like with the settled person. You okay. know, I think where settled people are comparing it from is from their own kind of um, um, terms of reference, you know, yes. kind of from their own culture. Yeah. You know, whereas it's not. And I think you have to look at, you know, uh, through the through the lens of the culture that's that's happening in rather than the lens that you're looking at it from, you know. Mm. Because otherwise you're making a judgment based on something else. Exactly. And that's the reason why I'm asking is because I feel like that judgment has stayed there. Yeah, no, it, it has stayed there, you know. And it's kind of like, isn't so like not just traveler pride, but even just like it's pride month, LGBT stuff yeah. and all that. Whenever this stuff is brought up, it's like, oh, no, no, no. The travelers are traditional. Yeah. Like they don't do that kind of stuff. And I'm like. But I've seen a few posts of yeah, them. Yeah. The community is definitely develop. Is it developing with the times in terms yeah, of? Yeah, like as I say, not all travelers. Not uh, all. Yeah. Agree with younger marriages. Certainly, my daughter isn't married and they're in their twenties, and yeah. uh, you know, kind of are. That wouldn't be the way my family was. You know, mm -hmm. so different families. Some families are more traditional. You know, okay. likewise, I'm conservatives sure, uh, conservative, versus liberals, yeah. yeah. And other families are not that traditional, you know, not as traditional as the war. So you have differences within and different opinions and different, you know, so you have a whole lot of difference. But certainly it was a part of, of travel culture. And even some families, it's very interesting that the mother and father uh, mightn't be uh, that keen on a younger marriage, whereas the young person is keen on the younger marriage. And, you know, so you have different types of that happening you have different ways so it's not it's not as straightforward yeah. as it looks you it's know? it's great to hear that it's diverse in, it within is diverse, itself and i think we need to we need to respect that and yeah. i think like it's not disrespectful to ask a question but i think i think people need to realize where they're looking at it from yeah you know like i could ask questions about you know about the settled community or about other communities but i'm looking at that from my own uh kind of term my own uh, uh, space as a traveler you know kind of and so i think you can judge something based on that you know your the values that you know and the norms of that community and i think it's important to respect the norms and value you don't have to agree with them mm. You know, you don't have to agree with, and there's lots of different norms and values, but, you know, kind of, uh, but I think it's, it's kind of understand I'm, this is how we here and like for, for the community we're in, you yeah. know. It's what? that self-awareness. It is, yeah. It and is. I think that's where a lot of societal issues and racism comes from is, no, I'm not racist. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's, uh, yeah. And like, that's why we have this thing called ethnocentrism. Yeah. Okay. Whereas it's based, you know, the, the norms, what's seen as the norm, yeah, 
is based on the majority community, yeah? Mm. And so, well, this is the normal. This is, you know, why are you Keep not doing this? Why are you well, not yeah. doing this yeah. here, you know? Yeah. Kind of, why are you not doing it this way? This is mm. the right way. And that really, you know, kind of is coming from that sense of, uh, 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 you know, this is the right way. Your way is the wrong way. We're right. You're wrong. We're going to change you. You know, you can't do it that way, you know? And that's so sad. Yeah, and that's the way that's the way it has been here. Yeah. And I think it's just in general when it comes to conversation and communication is I feel like there's a lack of recognition that it's the middle ground, it's the happy yeah. middle where there's a compromise from one end and a compromise from the other mm. end. It's not a win-lose. No. And I think that politics and policymakers right now is ju- are just focusing on Win, 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 win. Yeah, well, it's about it's about power and votes. And yeah. po- like, I mean, if you look at accommodation, for instance, yeah? Mm-hmm. If you look at the issue of accommodation, travel accommodation has been completely politicized, yeah? Uh, by local authorities, yeah? Uh, based on votes, based on getting a vote, you know? And keeping travelers out of areas traditionally. Now, of course, you might have a couple of politicians who, who might welcome travelers in, but... There's few and far between of people who, particularly in the past, who said, oh, yeah, we want to build a site in this area. Come on in. You're welcome here. I haven't seen that happen. And, you know, uh, so so but that has been completely politicized and you can see the impact of that. Uh, uh, so you can. Uh, the Equality and Human Rights Commission uh, carried out a study, yeah, um, a review of local authorities. And over the last 10 years, I think it was about 57 million euro that wasn't spent, that was earmarked for travel accommodation, yeah? Now, wasn't spent across the cold country by local authorities, uh, while at the same time, there was no accommodation, no travel accommodation being built. There's overcrowding uh, going on in the sites where there is travelers, overcrowding, you know, and sometimes that leads to dangerous kind of conditions, Terrible consequences for some families. Uh, so you have, and also then forces people into trying to get settled accommodation. And of course, with the racism, we talked about the hotels earlier on, it's nearly impossible for travelers to get private rented accommodation. Yeah. So, so what you have is you have this huge increase in traveler homelessness happening. For sure. Which is, I think it's about 40% of homeless now are travelers. We didn't have that before. You know, and so why? it's another, it's, why, it, it sounds like a very depressing, it's a depressing situation. Uh, oh, yeah, but like it has to be spoken about. And the thing is, is that w- I understand me questioning it isn't making a difference, but what is the goal here? Do they want the, the, you to dwindle down? They want to get ready. I mean, yeah, literally, I mean, that was the aim in, the, in that report that I mentioned earlier on, the 1963 itinerancy report, that the opening statement in that, yeah, by Charles High, who was the pre- who was the um, the Taoiseach of this country for quite a long time, and we've seen, I mean, Charlie High. I don't know if you know much about Charlie High, but there's a whole history there. He was the chairperson of that. He was the uh, uh, he was chaired in that. He was kind of the minister at the time, junior minister at the time, uh, and he was chaired in that. And he said he in the opening statement on that report, and I invite people to have a look who's looking at this podcast to look on, on the internet, the itinerancy report, 1963, and they'll see this in the opening kind of lines, that there can be no final solution to the problems created uh, by itinerants until they're absorbed into the wider community. That was the aim of the of the state. Uh, it was to annihilate travel culture. That And so that's 
was the uh, and that mindset. So it was, it's like that's kind of uh, it's maybe it doesn't maybe people aren't saying that, but people so a lot of people would like us to disappear off the planet. You know, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, in 2017, I think about 40 percent of Irish people said they wouldn't give a citizenship. Stop. Well, that's that that was, that report was carried out by behavior and attitudes. That's Have a look ha, disgusting. again. Uh, that's online. You can. This is. These are independent but so, kind of research. What made them so comfortable in saying this shit? Because this was for so long, for hundreds of years. This was so normalized. I mean, I read a piece of legislation I couldn't believe <laughs> in the 1500s, uh, and it's in the it's in the, the National Library. I mean, at the minute, like I mean, as I say, I've been an activist for a long time, and you know, I've studied, and now I'm back yes. trying to finish a PhD. Um, and uh, there's a piece of legislation in the National Library, okay. It, and in the 1500s, there was anti-vagrancy laws, yeah, brought in. Okay. And if you were a traveler and, and tinkers, which was travelers would have been called at the time, tinkers, yeah, tinkers. which is, and, 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 and gypsies was named in it as well. So there are two separate groups at that time in the 1500s. Okay. If you if you wandered into a town, yeah, as a traveler in the 1500s, you could be stripped to the waist and whipped until you were bleeding and then sent back to where you came from, you know, by anybody. Now, that was like, like that was so you can see this. Um, this ingrained racism and exclusion that was there going way back, you know, uh, and, and that really kind of, uh, that's the history that we're coming from, that this was so normalized. That's why I was saying earlier on, it would have been impossible to avoid this. If you grew up in Ireland as yeah. a traveler and, uh, and as a settled person, it would have been impossible to, to get through this loop without being affected in some way, even sure. unconsciously. So, you know, so it's there, you know, for many centuries. And now that's what we're trying to change. And, you know, we need settled people because it's like, I mean, really it's settled people that need to change, need to change. I know, as I say, we have a diverse community of travelers and we need to kind of, we all need to change together. But really in terms of the exclusion and the racism, it's settled people that need to change that, you know, and, yeah. the, and the state, you know. Exactly. They have to like, let go of their thinking. Yeah, that we're not we're not entitled or something to be here. That we're mm. not we're not equal. Mm. You know, to, you know, uh, uh, to to the settled community because you know uh, we live a different lifestyle, or because we're nomadic, or because you know, kind of, uh, we come from a different community, or you know, but we're, that we're not equal. You know, that we're not seen as equal, and certainly we're not. You know, oh, that's so shit. So yeah, it, is. It, it, it is, yeah. So we're going to talk about now the suicide epidemic. Yeah. You recently, yeah. how very recently actually, June first, correct? There was a protest. There was a protest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the second one May, of this May thirty first. May thirty first, June first. The article came out. Right. So okay. Right. There okay. You go. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. You corrected yeah. me as you said. How was that? First of all. It was very good. It was a very good protest. Um, you know, kind of um, the whole team of the pro it was organized by the National Traveller Mental Health Network, okay, which is a network of uh, travelers and traveler organizations from across Ireland. So it's all the traveler organizations and travelers who's linked into this network. Okay, and uh, the focus is on mental health, but not just on 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 the symptoms, but also on the contributing factors. So we talked about education or we talked about employment or we talked about 
you know, the accommodation, if you're in overcrowded accommodation uh, for families and you have uh, minimal conditions available to you, particularly during the, uh, during the COVID pandemic, you know, it's very hard to isolate. It's very hard to do anything. But it's also like with everybody else, if you're stuck in a, in a place for a long time, you know, kind of uh, people, you're more likely to get depressed. You're more likely to kind of, you know, as earlier on we were saying about, you know, where's the employment, where's the training, where's the opportunities, you know, you're more likely to kind of get stressed. And then, of course, poverty, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so so people, you know, but anyway, the, the, the network decided that we need to highlight this. And, you know, minister after minister and, you know, committee after committee has failed to actually implement some of the recommendations that was made over the decades. And so we wanted accountability for this. And so we looked for a meeting with the Taoiseach last year to actually look at, well, why is this the case? Why why is travellers, why is these things not being implemented? Why is the local authorities allowed not allowed, not spending 57 million that was there? So it's not about the money, you know? So we no. need somebody to be accountable. We need somebody to say, well, actually, hang on a second. You know, this has to stop. And so the Taoiseach is the head of government and is responsible for a government, you know, in the country. Um, and so we wanted a meeting with the Taoiseach. Unfortunately, the response that we got t- from the first, which was on International Human Rights Day in in 2021, we held a protest outside of um, outside of the Dáil to mark International Human Rights Day, and we handed in a letter, which the Taoiseach's office, there was no one there to accept it. But anyway, um, but we gave in the letter anyway, and the response was very disappointing. In fact, travellers were really kind of disappointed. What was the response? The response didn't even acknowledge that we looked for a meeting. The response was, oh, this is happening with this report and that report and the other report, and none of this is translating into action on the ground, and travellers on the ground know this. Uh, but there was no mention of, oh, yeah, you know, kind of, oh, we're too busy or whatever. Or, there was no mention of a meeting, you know? Silly. Uh, so, so we, so we said, look, we need to, the community, what came from the community was we need to go back again and look again for, for, for a meeting. And so we decided, okay, we're going to go back again. Yeah. And this is what the meet, the, the protest on the 31st was about. Was about. Mm-hmm. And it was about accountability. Really, the issue is accountability, that the state needs to be held accountable for what's happened to travelers, because that report in 1963 set the scene for, for all of this stuff. And that hasn't changed that much. So the state needs to be held to account. Yeah. And of course, the Taoiseach is head of government. He's head. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, he's the guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's uh, and that's who we wanted some some uh, discussions with. But uh, how he responded to this, this letter, I don't know. We handed in another letter. Uh, and look, you know, like this is not going to disappear. I mean, earlier on when you were saying, you know, in the past, there might have been a protest that kind of happened and then it went, you know, kind of dwindled down. This is different. Okay. What's happening is different in the community. I think there's a consciousness in the community that's saying that's no, this is not going to dwindle down and we're not going to let this dwindle down. And I hope that the Taoiseach responds positively because I think there is, this is, there's a, like, you know, it, it is building up, you know. And I think it's going to build up more. But but one thing that was kind of mentioned to me, because we wrote a letter of invitation to a lot of allies, you know, to a lot of different groups, equality groups, anti-racist groups, uh, you know, uh, unions, you know, students' unions, all, all across. And, you know, on the day 
I think, you know, we had a huge number of travelers and individual allies, but unfortunately the groups, the ally groups didn't come up on the day. It didn't turn up on the day, you know, mm. and that was a bit disappointing for some travelers and some travelers has flagged with me and came to me and said to me, said, listen, we're disappointed uh, that, you know, that the, that the groups didn't turn out on the day, you know, kind of um, because like we supported quite a lot of groups. Yeah. Black Lives Matter, for instance, you know, we supported some of the other struggles, you know, the housing struggles, the anti-war struggle, the, you know, kind of the, you know, we would have supported an awful lot of struggles. So we expect, well, we would have liked that yeah. kind of support back because mm-hmm. this is an issue that doesn't just affect travellers, you know. Yeah. Like equality is not a hierarchical thing, you know. We all benefit from it. Absolutely. And equality is, you know, and so if we're going to get a, an equal society, we need to make sure that everybody is, you know, kind of, so So on the day people were disappointed, some people were disappointed, some travellers were disappointed, some travel activists that we didn't get the support from them, from them other ally groups. Yeah. Now individuals might have turned up, but we needed the, we needed the groups. No, you, you know? need those Yeah, we needed the, the networks. We yeah, need, yeah, yeah. You know, kind exactly. of them to mobilise their own For people, sure. you know. And unfortunately, right, and this is just like my marketing brain thinking, but the reaction you would have gotten would have most likely been if you publicly called them out. But yeah, I, yeah. I understand wanting to avoid that conflict too. Yeah. You know? And I think like, you know, kind of, I think that's been uh, the way in the past that, you know, mm. like if you look at travel, uh, if you look at travel protests, you get very few of the allied groups yeah. coming out. You know, you get all the travel groups coming out. And that, but very few of the of the ally groups coming out and and actually standing in solidarity with travellers, and really that needs to change. Yes, you know, and like I hope it does change because actually it will it will be called out. You know, because I think travellers are saying, "Well, hang on a second. No, there you will know? come up. There will be a turning point. Yeah. if nothing happens, you know, and that's you know. So, but it's not going to kind of dwindle out. I mean, no. you know, people like I mean. You know, the, the, I think, the, as I said, there's a consciousness in the community and there, and there is more and more people, more and more travelers becoming much more active, you know, in different forms. And so it's not the same as it was 20 years ago, you know, when maybe 30 years ago when we only had a handful of people involved. Now it's there's a lot of people involved, mm-hmm. you know, across the country uh, at all different levels. So so I think, um, you know, that's going to continue. So I hope that. The, the Taoiseach's response is a positive one, you know, kind of in terms of engaging in dialogue about how these, because Mags Casey, the chairperson of the network, as she says, like the community, like we've come up with a lot of solutions to things, you know, even under all the, including to the conflict, like you have the Traveller Mediation Service that's made up of travellers and, and settle people who work on the traveller sites with families who's involved in conflict, you know. Wow. Uh, so we have we have people working into the prisons, travellers working into the prisons, you know, uh, with travellers in the prisons, you know. We have people in the community working to the community. We've, so like, but it's travellers that's doing it, you know. Uh, so we have some of the solutions as well, likewise around mental health. Mm-hmm. We have some of the kind of... Um, some of the uh, some of the ways that some of these issues might be dealt with from the community, but unfortunately the community has been ignored in this, you know. Yeah. And that's you know you might sit down around the table and uh, to get your opinion, and then a report comes with a recommendation, 
And then it doesn't change anything on the ground. And you think, well, what happened to that? And that's what people are asking. Why are we still sitting there? Why are we still going to these meetings? From the community, that's what's being asked of the activists and the representatives. Why are you still sitting at them tables when it's not making any change for the community on the ground? And people are still losing their lives. Like, I mean, you know, through suicide and the yeah. drugs rate has gone through the roof and there's no change in the unemployment. Why exactly. are you still sitting and talking to... Um, I'm going to quote Senator Eileen Flynn because yeah. her speech was really moving. It was, yeah. The shame that I feel as a senator sitting in that house is absolutely unbelievable, Flynn said. As a senator for the traveling community, I have been for two years begging the Minister for Mental Health to take responsibility, yeah. to stop our young men, our young women dying from suicide. Two years I've been, I've been doing this. This is my third time to speak in two years at a Traveller Mental Health Network protest. How many travellers have died in two years? It is so tough to be yourself and be a member of the traveller community. You walk up the street and someone has something to say to you, just because you're a traveller. We're not treated as second-class citizens in this state. We're treated as rubbish. Mm. And that's the reality for a lot of travellers, you know, that's the reality for a lot of travellers. And um, what Eileen Flynn was referring to there in terms of the Minister for Mental Health, in the programme for government, in this government, they uh, uh, committed to developing a national traveller mental health strategy, which had been kind of uh, recommended by the all-party and cross-party Oireachtas Committee, yeah? And so it went into the programme for government. That's what was meant to happen. There has been absolutely no action on that at all. And, you know, this, this shared in division, the shared in division was the big thing for mental health. That's a national strategy for everybody in the country. And what we've seen from national strategies is that's not going to address because of the crisis in the travel community and because it's a national issue. There needs to be, and because it needs to be uh, uh, from a culturally inclusive perspective, there needs to be a standalone mental health strategy that was promised in the programme for government. But there's absolutely no action on that. There's no nothing happening on that at all. The shared division is a 10-year strategy. This government will be long gone yeah. before any anything is done in terms yeah. of shared division. So, exactly. you know, uh, that program for government is going to be gone. So, like, you know, what travellers want is they want what was promised. And that's what we're saying. There's no accountability. They can, you know, say, oh, yeah, we're going to do this, even when it gets into the program for government. And then nothing, mm. you know. I mean, that's from government. Yeah, like, you know? do you think we're stupid? Like, I mean, that's, you know, so you sit down around tables, you do all this, yeah. you know, you get, you know, cross-party committee to uh, recommend it. It's in the future for mental health in Ireland, you mm -hmm. know, uh, and then it gets into the program for government and said, right, that's part of the program. That's part of your program. Yeah. And then nothing after two years. And that's what Eileen is talking, talking to there in terms of the, the Minister for Mental Health. She hasn't done anything on developing the strategy at all. You know, unreal. It's no. You can. I mean, anyone listening in or any represent, you can check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, interestingly enough, I've come across Eileen Flynn when she um, got elected, and I come. I, I came across some transcript of hers and the way she holds herself. Yeah, Eileen is Eileen is great. Eileen's, you know, she's a real advocate for the community, and I mean, she is. You know, and uh, you know. At huge cost to herself at times, you know, 
Uh, and I think that, you know, Eileen grew up in the same site that I said in Ballyfermot in Labra Park. Okay. Eileen's family lives there all their life as well. Now, I was there a bit before Eileen, uh, kind of a <laughs> few years and left and that. Uh, but I, that's where Eileen's family live on Labra Park. So Eileen grew up in that site and went to school in Ballyfermot and, and all that, you know, and her her kind of uh, parents and that would have been would have been around the time I was there more so, you know, than than Eileen, but uh, and her her uncles and that, uh, so they would have been involved in some of the stuff and Cherry Orchard and that, you know. Mm. Uh, um, uh, so they would. So Eileen's been struggling. They've been struggling a long time for exactly what we're talking about here. So like the experience of Eileen is very similar to the experience of most other travelers that you talk yeah. to uh, across the across yeah. the country, including myself. It's very. Uh, I I think very symbolically. I don't know why, but this grand issue that you guys are facing with literally just reminded me of the story that you told me of teachers not giving you homework mm. or just automatically assuming what what else mm. are they gonna go up like add up to mm. and it's as if you're having that same treatment yeah yeah it is. but you're not uh, yeah. a kid at a desk yeah this is same. your life yeah. yeah you're being dismissed you know you're being dismissed yes you know kind of and oh yeah we're going to do this and it's like oh yeah the plans there and but, and then nothing. So like, it's like you, you were never there, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and like uh, if you look at the services, like we talked about mental health and, and the suicide, like travelers aren't counted. Uh, there, there's no ethnic identifier in many of the services. If you go down to a service down the road and you say, how many travelers is using your service? They, can't, they won't tell you, you know, because they don't differentiate between travelers and settled people. So, yeah. you, so like travelers are invisible in a lot of the systems. Uh, so they are. Uh, and I think that was, you know, kind of if you, if people are invisible, it's very hard to establish rights. Very hard. You know? Yes. I remember like signing up for universities for my master's degree. And it was what race? Are, like, are you black, white? Yeah. And then all the different shades. Yeah. And I, uh, it wasn't for me, but I was actually thinking, I'm like, but if a traveler is white. Yeah, if you're like, white, if you're white traveler, but, if you're, like uh -huh. you know, and that's the thing. Like I mean, uh, and there are black travelers as well. Oh yeah, you know, yes. kind of, but <laughs> but uh, but it's not. There was no differentiation. There, you know, yeah. kind of there, you weren't counted, even though the treatment was very different. And exactly. like people say, oh, well, we treat everybody the same. That Bullshit. Is, absolutely. You know, they're not treated the same in most of the services. Uh, so like, you know, you're not being counted, but you're not being treated the same. So you, like, you don't know what kind of a service people are getting, mm -hmm. how many people came to that service, how many times did they come to that service? What was the outcomes? What was the issues that they came with? So all of that, you and know. you and need that data. You, you need, need the data. Yeah. If you're going to plan a service to address, sure. to address a crisis, you, you try and capture some of the data. Unfortunately, not unfortunately, but fortunately enough, numbers at the end of the day are those things that can't be yeah. questioned the yeah. most. Yeah. So that's what you need. Yeah. And already the stats are disgusting yeah. to look at. Let's yeah. put it that yeah. way. Yeah. And if only they were more accurate. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, kind of, and, and even though these issues, like, I mean, there was, say, for instance, there was a 2008 uh, intercultural health strategy, yeah, developed 2008. Yeah, we're okay. talking about you know quite a few years ago now. It was 2008 to 2013. There was a number of things going to happen in the intercultural health strategy. One of them was there was going to be an ethnic identifier. Didn't happen. The second thing was there was going to be intercultural kind of in the 2006 uh, 
vision for change, which was the mental health strategy, uh, there was, there was a re- key recommendation was there was going to be culturally inclusive services, mental health services. Didn't happen. There was hardly any conversations between then and now and about now how what's that happens. Happening. You yeah. know, so you can see how travellers over the decades has looked at this and said, oh, yeah, and each time something happens, oh, yeah, on paper, oh, that looks really good, you know. Uh, and then it, nothing happens for yeah. people. Nothing happens. In yeah. in 1983, there was a report carried out by the, by, by, uh, the review body. It was, a, it was a government body, yeah. And at that stage, it was recommended that there would be transient sites for travelers you know, what we have now is we have a ban on travelers traveling in the country so like you can see mm. how this you know uh doesn't it doesn't fare very well for travelers e- even though some of the recommendations and some of the reports that happened over the decades the 1998 task force report which was a very progressive report in itself you know uh there was a huge number of recommendations many of them recommendations never got implemented that was you know, kind of so. So that's the kind of uh, implementation, the lack of implementation that you have, and the lack of accountability. Nobody is held accountable for this. You know, it's very disheartening. It is, yeah, it is. It really is. But we have to have hope as well. And so, you know, kind of okay, the the state mightn't be kind of um, uh, given us that hope because they certainly haven't they haven't instilled much hope for travellers. Uh, every at every turn, you know, they have kind of gone the other way, really, uh, sort of have. Uh, so it's traveler, uh, traveler activists and traveler organizations on the ground that's instilling that hope in terms of saying, look, we can change this collectively. But the key and the clear message to others is that we need the support of settled people to do this. Yeah. We don't have the voting capacity. If we were a major kind of union or we were the farmers or we were the, yeah. you know, the industrialists, we'd have... We'd have negotiating power. We don't. We don't have the same power. You know, we, we are a small community kind of that's being completely excluded from society, you know, and really that is having terrible consequences, mm-hmm. you know, for generations. And yeah. I think that, like, so we need the support. We need that support. When it comes to the mental health service that you run, the counselling service, mm. what would, amid, what is a common issue that a lot of your patients come to you with right okay in terms of mental health yeah there's a whole range of issues that people present with and we do we do um, we do um, we have we capture the statistics you know anonymized statistics and we put them up and on 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 the web and our website so if people want to have a look at that that's the travelercounselingservice.ie and people can have a look at the statistics we put them up there and the presenting issues you know um there's many presenting issues usually the issues that travelers present are multiple Multiple issues. So they're not single issues. So it's very different from private practice or, mm-hmm. you know, people coming with an, someone coming with an issue that they want to address. Travelers come and they have multiple issues. Depression. Depression and anxiety are huge among travelers, you know. Uh, uh, you know, suicidal ideation, you know, that people are actually coming, you know, uh, you know, and uh, addiction, addiction issues. You know, and some of these issues we can see, we, we've... We've tracked them, so we can we can actually see an increase an increase in some in some things, you know. So over the years, we've been collecting stati- them them type of statistics. I think since about two thousand and twelve, you know. So we can actually track what issues are are people are presenting with more as time goes on. One of the biggest issues that's changed is homelessness. People presenting to the service who are homeless. For sure. Uh, so that has increased year on year. 
uh, so it has. Uh, and the standard of living has risen too. Yeah. So you, you they know, can't keep up. And so we see this, you know, even though on one level you're told that uh, the zero unemployment in, the, in or, you know, a very low unemployment in the settled community, that the standard of living is, is raising. At the same time, these are the issues that's raising for travellers, you know, kind of, you know, and, uh, but there's a number of issues, you know, certainly depression, anxiety, you know, suicidal ideation, you know, bereavement is huge and you have multiple levels of bereavement. So before travellers kind of have dealt with one bereavement, there's sometimes another bereavement and sometimes another bereavement before they get a chance to deal with. So there's multiple levels of bereavement, which I think we need to look at. How do you deal with multiple levels of bereavement? It's not a single bereavement, you know, and a lot of the uh, the kind of bereavement kind of uh, interventions are based on individual bereavement, you know, not on multiple layers of bereavement. I mean, as I said, Max Casey, who's the chairperson of the National Traveller Mental Health Network, has lost 29 members of her family. And her immediate and extended family in the last 10 years to suicide. Stop. You know, like that's, you know, like when you look at that, that that's more than two members a year. Three, like tr- that's nearly three people a year has kind of died by suicide every year for 10 years. It sounds like something when you're out at war instead. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and some yeah. people have said that. They said you, you wouldn't lose as many people if you were at war. Yeah. You know, as many members of your family, which is probably true, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, that's the reality for travellers. And so that's what people are presenting with. You know, there's other issues then. You have a whole range of issues, whether it's addiction, you know, and what, you know, what types of addiction. You have domestic violence. You have... Uh, interfamily violence. You have all of them things, you know, but at the top of the scale, you have bereavement and depression and suicidal ideation. You know, them is the, the big things, you know, and, and of course, homelessness, as I said, you know. Never would have assumed that bereavement would have been. Yeah, it's huge. Oh, mm-hmm. huge in the community. Yes. Absolutely huge, you know. And like the services that's there sometimes, and we need to engage with the services as well. The services do the best, the mainstream services do the best they can. But sometimes they won't engage with somebody until after a certain period of time, mm-hmm. you know, for the bereavement. But like that's if you're looking at it through that lens of a single bereavement yeah. and this person's. But like three months earlier or six months earlier, a person might have lost somebody else or somebody else before that. It's you, a pilot. So, yeah. So you don't you like that's the reality right, for travelers lives, you know, for sure. And. I don't know. You obviously have more of a say on this, but, and this is not specific to travelers, right? Mm. There's there's a mental health crisis in Ireland nationwide. Yeah. A lot of people think, look at the mental health services, especially ones, ones that, the free ones, you know, because mm-hmm. not everyone can afford this, is that they are automatically put on a waiting list. Yeah. Unless there is suicidal ideations. Yeah. And that obviously results in the yeah. most people ending their life, eh? Yeah. What yeah. do you what what is your perception on this or I think that needs to change. Yeah. You know, people need help when they go for help. You know, you have a lot of these campaigns encouraging people to kind of reach out for help. But yeah. unfortunately, there's a limited amount of people that can take on, like yeah. But the, so you need you need people when they do reach out for help, they need to be met with the service that they need. Yes, you know, and the state is not doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, and hasn't been doing it for gen- for decades. 
Yeah. You know, uh, sort of half. And I mean, like, so, so like all these campaigns, this, like, to sound great, oh, you know, uh, look for help, and you have a lot of people. Look, and Mental then, health so, is normal, like as a keyword. Yeah, so it's so, no longer taboo. You know, so talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Go out, you know. Uh, but you need the services there to meet people, and you need the waiting list there for that's there for settled people uh, for children. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. I I think like for a wealthy nation, I mean, we can find money for many other things when we need to, you know, like like if you look at the banks, if you look at other things, we could, you know, we could find billions for lots of different things when it's needed. But when it's really needed for for uh, for people who do need help, and I'm talking about families and children who, and not just travelers, you know, who need support and it's not there when it's needed. You know, I think that's terrible. I think it's a terrible indictment of Irish society that is not available to, like if you look at homelessness among settled people, I mean, if you look at the number of people who's in, who's in homeless accommodation, families, uh, children, trying trying to get children to school from, uh, from B&Bs, you know, kind of, uh, like, it's just unbelievable that we can't accommodate uh, you know the the number of people who's who's in homelessness and who who's who has to lose their property because of the property bubble getting bigger and bigger and prices and they're not able to pay the mortgages or whatever. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it's a terrible indictment in this society that we're not able to cater for the needs not just the travellers but of 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 the community who 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 can't uh, 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 compete in this in this environment and who fall short of that. Like it's just unbelievable. Particularly, I think. I mean around mental health stuff for, for young people and for families, you know, oh, yeah. and the waiting lists. Uh, like, why can we not, uh, why can we not meet people where they're at? Why can we not provide the service? You know, is it lack of money? Now, I know they're saying about recruitment and all the rest of it. Like but the amount of charity runs I've seen raising funds for whichever yeah. ones. And I'm not saying that the money doesn't go to them. I know for a fact that the money goes to yeah. them. It's like, what the fuck are they doing with that money? You know? Yeah, I think I think what's happened is, and I think like, you know, the, 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 a lot of the charities try to pick up the slack where the state falls down. Yeah. So this, so so the charities are stepping into that breach, you know, uh, because there's no, uh, they don't see an alternative. But what happens is then is that sometimes the state just carries on not providing. <laughs> because they're okay with yeah, the charities. And, and, and so, and they support the charities and kind of give them a bit oh. of money. And so, like, I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> like the travel council service might fall into this bracket as well. But, yeah. but like, I mean, uh, at the same time, what we should be working towards is that the state provides for everybody. Yeah. In fact, the Traveller Council Service shouldn't be there at all. If, if we were living in a in a state that provided for everybody, there wouldn't be a need for the Traveller Council Service. We wouldn't be in existence. Mm. You yeah. know, uh, the state would be catering properly for travellers, exactly. you know, and for traveller needs. And we wouldn't be in this state at all. We wouldn't be in this con the conditions that we're in. So the state needs to be held to account. And I just don't think by travellers. I think really we need collectively. Yes. We need collective accountability. That's yeah. what we need. And particularly people who's in disadvantaged communities, people who can't, who doesn't have the voice and people with mental health problems, you know, uh, that doesn't have the wherewithal to kind of challenge the state. I think we need, as Max Casey said, we are the voice on their behalf. We need to collectively call the state out and look for that accountability. And I think that's what, you know, hopefully, not just around travel issues. If we get it, that's what I'm saying. Equality is not a hierarchical thing. We don't, one group here gets it and then all the rest is at the bottom. I think we need this for 
we need equality in this society for all, not just for a few, you know. And that's the way it is at the minute. It's for the few who can afford it and who doesn't have them problems and can go to the, uh, I hope I never have to visit Blackrock Clinic because a Blackrock Clinic can be seen within like, you know, a couple of hours or the beacon or you hear them advertising, yeah. come, you'll see it straight away. Like you want no waiting this, you know. Uh, you go to on public health, on the public health, you'll be waiting for 24 hours to be seen. Uh, so you will. And then if you're looking for a procedure or even an appointment with a consultant, you could be waiting six months, you know, and that's the reality for people's lives. And you might be waiting even longer, yeah. if, you know, kind of. So so it's not an equal society we live in. It's no, no, just no. it's an unequal. So now, I don't want to get no, no, <laughs> into no. too much. But, but you're the guy to talk about this. You know, but uh, like I kind of see it's it as totally unequal. We're living in a totally unequal it's society. It's easier to get antidepressants than it is to get therapy. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you look at the extent of antidepressants that's being prescribed to people, it's like medicating people into kind of into the state. I know there's a huge number of travelers on antidepressants. Uh, much higher than in the settled community, you know, uh, so there is. And that, that's done in a study that was carried out uh, by some of the pharmacists that deal with with travellers, you know, kind of that there's a huge number of travellers on antidepressants. But the thing, the interesting thing is that the travellers isn't being referred on to the services from the GPs. Exactly. They're just you know, getting a prescription. They're getting the prescription and off to go and out the door. And, and that, yeah, you know, and so, yeah, it's so bad. And that's yeah. my take on the whole antidepressant like concept is of course if you need help and yeah. if medicine is there to help you yeah fine and dandy cool beans you know but it's yeah. what you do after it yeah and yeah. that's where it's like flopping yeah because you i'm not saying if you're if you are meant to be on antidepressants your whole life then okay but yeah. you still need that help. You still well, need that help. Well, a woman called Dorothy Rowe uh, wrote a book, and I went to a lecture years ago when I was studying psychotherapy. Okay. In the Royal College of Surgeons. And one of the things she said is that antidepressants do not give you insight oh. into your condition. You know, wow. they might stabilize you or they might help you manage a day, but they don't give you insight. The only thing that gives you insight is, is kind of reflecting on the condition and looking at, well, why, what's, why am I in this? What's going on in this? And, you know, I thought that was a very interesting insight, mm. you know, kind of that we need, we need, we need insight into why people have these conditions. And the medical model is a bit short on insight, you know, uh, I have to say, no, not all, I, I mean, I know I'm going to get slated for this, but, but, uh, but, you know, this, I, I come from a very kind of social determinants kind of perspective. You know, the people's environment, the, where they live, the context that they live in, you know, what's going on around them, the pressures that's on them contribute to how we are, how we feel about ourselves. And, you know, and it, it couldn't but. So I think we need to, we need, we need, do need medication. I wouldn't be anti-medication, you know, because people do have to be able to manage their everyday yes, lives. Yes, yes, if they're and not some, in a, if they are in an absolutely. unstable condition, so they not need anti -medication, to be stabilized. Yes. But I have to say, we need to also include that social determinants model yeah. about why people develop some of these conditions and the way they are, because it's definitely, you know, we can we can see the connection between between the social conditions and 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 uh, that people live in and the, and the and and the symptoms that they have. Sometimes we can see them, you know, and that's shown more and more in people, and you can see that, you know, uh, completely. Agree so with we you. we need to we need to we need to do that. Um, so we do. The future of travelers. 
The future of travelers. Well, from <laughs> if I must ask, any, uh, I mean, maybe um, maybe uh, travelers are kind of positively disposed. I mean, the, uh, some people says, well, well, we've survived to this point. Uh, kind of so, you know, with a lot of different uh, kind of uh, uh, things happened to us over the over the centuries. So, uh, so we've survived up to now. So, um, a, a lot of people feel that the future for travelers is is brighter because, like, I mean, kind of because there's much more, uh, much more travel engagement, much more awareness, you know, and like a lot of younger travelers are coming up and kind of maybe there's more of an analysis, there's more of a collective drive to change. You know, people are more politicized, a bit more politicized, you know, True. kind of. So I think, you know, and also then you have a whole European dimension to this as well, where you have 12 million Roman travelers across Europe, you know, uh, and, you know, and I think kind of that also have, has an impact in terms of the European Union, because mm. we're part of the European Union. And it's very interesting. I mean, you know, um, the quest, the question for a lot of travelers, I mean, Man, all all travelers that I know support the Ukrainians, for instance, support and kind of really kind of, you know. Uh, they empathize with the situation. Absolutely. And see what happened and and kind of and, and, and applaud what the government has done for and, and the Irish state has done for Ukrainians. Uh, and, and but the question that it raises is that, uh, well, they can act when they want. They can act when they want, and this can, and we can see that. So why can't this happen for travellers as well, for other groups in society as well? Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's not in any way to take away. I no. think, uh, you know, travellers and myself applaud what's happened for Ukrainians and yes, encourage yes, yes. and kind of are very supportive. But it shows you that the government can act and the state can act when it wants to act. Refugees and asylum seekers who's in uh, direct provision centres for for 15 years, you know, kind of, why can't the state act in the same way? Why can't it act in the same way towards travelers? Why can't it act in the same way towards them homeless families I was talking about? Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Everyone is talking about that. You know, and, and again, yeah. it's, it's in no way no. to take away from the Ukrainians. And no. as I say, I support the Ukrainian people 100%, oh, yeah. you know, and sympathize and yeah. empathize with them. And uh, uh, But it shows you that the state can act. When it wants. When it wants. And it's going to sound very pessimistic of me, but it is literally just like looking politically correct. You know? Yeah, at, 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 the, at, in, at that international level as yes, well, in the European. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, kind of like. Which, for sure, I understand, but isn't it something to boast about if you housed all these homeless people yeah. of your own? Yeah, your human rights record, you know, kind of, yeah. uh, kind of, you know, and also, and like, if you look at, you know, now I don't want to get too political about it because there's other issues. I mean, like, if you look at Brexit, for instance, and you look at what's going on with the Brexit debate in Europe, mm. and you look at the Ukrainian thing, you, you know, yeah, I know I don't want to put them into the same mix, but no, no, no. there's all kinds of negotiations going on, and you know, kind of, uh, you know, and. The Irish government, kind of, you know, and I, I, as I say, I applaud, I applaud, I applaud the action that the Irish government has taken. No, no, I think they've done very it, well, and it's kind of like kudos. Your model yeah. works. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Give it to us now, yeah, please. But why isn't it <laughs> yeah. happening yeah. for the rest of the community? Why isn't it happening for travellers for homeless people? Yeah, they, because they don't. They're not the same. You know, they're not seen no. as the same, and no. the same for refugees and asylum seekers and other groups who's. Inner city groups. I live in the south inner city, mm -hmm. you know, 
And like, you know, the, 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 again, you know, for, for decades, this, this poverty, unemployment, you know, poor housing, uh, you know, all of them issues, you know, but they're not addressed in the same way. Whereas, you know, kind of you have a situation like this and other people have come from more torn situations as well. And not to compare them, but they haven't been treated in the same way. And no. I think it's, you know, Europe, I think, has a has an impact on that and all the things that's going on within that, you know. For sure. What will help travellers and how can the settled community help travellers? I think, you know, kind of, uh, you know, uh, really it's kind of to understand, I think the settled community need to understand that this is not a, only a traveller issue. You know, this is not a travel. This is this is a societal issue, and that it doesn't only affect travellers. You know, kind of this affects everybody. This, like, I know we're badly affected, probably at the at the, at the, at the sharp end of it. But this is this affects everybody. This, you know, everybody's life is affected by this. And the more we can change that, the better society it is for everybody, for everybody's children. As we said about earlier on, the waiting list, uh, the homelessness, the, you know, uh, kind of like, if we're going to change that, you know, we want a more equal society where people feel, yeah, actually, you know, it's a society worth contributing to. It's a society, I'm a stakeholder in it, you know. Mm. If we want to cut down the crime, if we want to kind of cut out the drugs, if we want to cut out that, we need people to feel that they're stakeholders in the society, you know. But there's many people in this society that don't feel stakeholders in this society. They're not They're not allowed to be stakeholders because they're they're not treated in the same fashion as everybody else. So, you know, I think I what I would ask settled people is to stand in solidarity you know, that's as much as travellers want from settled people is to stand in solidarity to get, you know, to help settled people as well as travellers get what we need to get yeah. and get accountability from the state. You know, that's what travellers would ask for, you know. Um, and also for the hoteliers to start opening their doors and letting people have, have weddings and stop being so racist. Hold businesses now, I know I'm going to get slated for that, but that's no. the reality of it, you know. No, no, no. It's... Um, Right in your face. Yeah, and 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 really, that's what needs to happen. I mean, licenses should be checked. Mm. You know, licenses, hoteliers' licenses should be checked. Uh, so they should, and indeed, licensed vintners. I mean, we had we're we're sitting in a in a, in a pub here. You know, the upstairs in the pub, travelers getting served in pubs. You know, kind of. Uh, you know, licenses need to be challenged around. You know, around uh, and and hotel licenses, particularly, I think, for marriages or for birthdays or that that you know that's supposed to be public venues that's there for the public they're not private venues. they're not like mm -hmm. they're there for the public yeah you know so they should be open to everybody you know yes. uh, and i think really that we need to and i think there's a couple of things that might help that process one is an ombudsman for travelers okay similar to, similarly to an ombudsman for children okay you know, that can challenge some of the establishments and the institutions independently Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that has shown you if you look at children, the Ombudsman for Children, and you look at the shift, yeah, uh, in terms of children's rights, you look at that and you take that as maybe kind of not ex an exact model of what might happen for travelers, but a similar model. If you look at that, you see that that can really shift the ground in terms of how yes. groups have the same rights as everybody else and is taken to, into account in policy, yeah. is taken into account in practice. For sure. You and know? it's kind of like, oh, 
I will get in touch with the ombudsman and yeah. say, oh. Yeah, so. the, the ombudsman then goes yeah. out independently exactly. and, and, and does an inquiry and can, yes. and can, uh, can get the records, can get that. Yes. And I think that's one thing that could have For an sure. impact. Keep your staff in check, keep businesses yeah. in check. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And we really need that. We really need something like that, an institutional framework that kind of can challenge the challenge the institutions because mm. you know, like it's individuals you're looking at individuals who's in very disadvantaged conditions unemployed who's who's expected to, to uh, uh, assert their rights through the courts you have to exhaust you have to exhaust the court system and you don't have the resources to do it i was in court with somebody recently uh, supporting a family and uh, the way that the local authority was treating this family on the north side of dublin i won't say where but uh, you know uh, but uh, so it, the man is in a court case against the local authority for taking his animals, taking his horses. And uh, so we were talking to, to a barrister and a solicitor. If he wants to take a case, yeah, if he wants to take the, take the counsel to court, the barrister said to us, it, it would cost €50,000. Now, this man is on the dole. You know, you're not. I said, look, we're not going to get that kind of money. Well, he said, unfortunately, if the money isn't there, he said, you can't take a case. There's no way you can take a case unless some organization or some uh, uh, kind of institution takes a case on your behalf. You can't. So there's no, there's no, and it's an individual, like there's no class action in Ireland. So you can't, you can't say, right, okay, this affects a whole group of people. Yeah. Uh, so we take a collective case, uh, you know, because we don't have a class action. Uh, so them things really limit uh, uh, although rights might be in paper, say people have this rights, and them rights have to be asserted, asserted in court. Yes. And if you don't have the wherewithal and the resources to do that, then them, that's not going to happen. And so for many people, even though their rights is being breached every day of the week, they can't assert them rights mm -hmm. because they don't have the resources and they don't have the education and they don't have the wherewithal to do that. Yes. Uh, you know, so that's why we need, we need a mechanism that can really support people to do that. And I think an ombudsman, you know, uh, for travellers would be one way of doing that, you know, and the ombudsman would be independent. So it wouldn't be that they'd be, you know, kind of taking, you know, uh, taking the side of travellers, you know, solely. They'd be looking at it independently and it'd be, and they'd be doing their assessment based on that, you know. And which I is think, fair. Which is fair, yeah. Because yes. uh, you want it to be fair. You don't yeah. want, uh, you don't want preferential treatment. No. What you want is fairness. Exactly. You know, and I think that's why I think an ombudsman for travellers would be a really good step in the right direction. You know, uh, as one thing, I think the second thing would be an independent accommodation agency that takes the accommodation issue out of the hands of the local authority. Because while it's politicised, travellers believe and many others believe that it's never, we're never going to have proper traveller accommodation as long as it's in the hands of elected representatives. And so like the roads authority, for instance, if you look at that, you know, where you take it out of the hands of the local authority until there's a level playing pitch. And then you kind of, then the local authority can take it back over, you hand it back over. That's, you know, that would have certain powers as well. CPO land, because if land is in an area, more than likely there's going to be opposition to it. Mm -hmm. And local politicians, it's not going to go against the local electorate. They're just not, because no. that's where their votes come from. Yes. So, like, you can see how this issue is not going to be addressed unless there's a change in how we do things, you know. And they're not, they're not, th them changes wouldn't take a huge amount of effort, you know, but would, but, but would bring, but would 
create a huge amount of change in the process in terms of, you know, how we engage uh, with travellers, how we, the type of accommodation and indeed rights in terms of people's access to rights, you know. For sure. What do you have to say to a traveller listening to this? I'd say get involved, you know, get involved. You know, the only way we can bring change, and I believe, like, I mean, I think, you know, with all of that that I've talked about and all of them issues, and, and the hour, and I mean, every day of the week, I believe that we can bring about change. And I believe every single person, you know, can bring a, get involved and collectively we can we can bring small changes ourselves individually, but collectively we can bring a much bigger change. Uh, so to become involved, there's a local traveller group and there's loads of travel, local traveller groups nearly in every area now around the country, in every county, anywhere. You know, and if you don't, if you don't, if there's not one in your local area, give me a shout. <laughs> I'll link you up with some, with he's, some he's group. He's great on email, by you, the way. So, you know, yeah. so, uh, so yeah. <laughs> So, no, get involved. I yeah. think it's to be involved, to understand what the issues are and understand what, you know, positively, what kind of positive change is needed mm -hmm. uh, that will bring change for travellers, but also for others as well. Because I think that's what's needed. I think collectively we can create that change, both for travellers and for settled people. And I said the same to settled people. Get involved. Get involved in creating the change that you want. You know, otherwise we're kind of... You know, we're just we're going along and we're expecting or we're accepting something that really isn't in our own interest or isn't in the interest of anyone else. It's not in the interest of society for me to ignore the issues that's happening to travellers. It's, yeah. it's just not in the interest of society mm -hmm. and it's not in the interest of anybody else to ignore the issues either. Mm. We have to get involved if we want to, if we want a better society to live in in the future, you know, kind of, or even now, I mean, you know, kind of, yeah. uh, so I, get involved, bring the, be, be the change that you want to be. Isn't that what they say? Yeah, Gandhi. Gandhi, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so cool. get involved. Martin Luther King, all of the people who, you know, um, Nelson Mandela, any of them people, you know, kind of, uh, any of them great people uh, uh, that, that kind of was really kind of uh, oppressed, excluded, all that, all the things that happened in them, that's how they brought about the change that they brought. You know, collectively, they came together with people and said, right, how do we bring about this change? How do we? And they did. Some of them changed the world, not only not only the societies they lived in. Who is your greatest inspiration, Thomas? I think there's a, there's a, there's, there's, there's a probably, you know, kind of Martin Luther King is, you know, kind of. Now, I have to say, you know, Martin Luther King is one side of it. And, you know, uh, uh, Malcolm X is the other. This is kind of, oh, you know. Oh, I like that combination. You know, uh, because there was two, there was a debate going on, you know, kind of, you know, and uh, and it's a debate that goes on in many kind of communities and societies, you know. Uh, and you can see why people kind of feel the need to resort to kind of direct action, you know, kind of, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, and Gandhi, for instance, Gandhi was, you know, kind of, again, Non-violence. He really promoted that whole cause of non-violence. Quite he had, um, uh, you know, kind of Nelson Mandela, who had been in the ANC, and who kind of, you know, so you have there's a number of different people, but they all really, at the end of the day, I mean, in the north of Ireland, you have some huge kind of uh, uh, change as well that went on. That that kind of, you know, uh, so there's many people around around the world who brought change. You know, from very difficult situations. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, you know, I think we can take inspiration from that. You know, that that people have done that, uh, and I think we have enough inspirational people around today, everyday people who's 
kind of doing all kinds of things, you know. Thomas, like, I'm not here to kiss your ass, but you have showed up on nearly every article where I wanted to do some research on traveler activism. So yeah. you're also doing yeah, I, the part. I, I might have shown up. I don't know if I'm that inspirational, but but there no, are. No, like, you're you, doing you talked it, about Eileen Flynn, you know, kind of at a cost of themselves. Who's, you know, yeah. kind of that's, you know, I think, you know, there's many people out there who's kind yeah. of, you know. And I'm glad, Casey, I, I'm glad to talk to you, though. I really yeah. appreciate you coming on. Yeah, well, thanks very much for having me. And I really appreciate you having me. And hopefully, collectively, that and the media that you're doing here leads to an awareness and does bring change for, for wider society as well as for travellers, you know. Because collectively, I think we can live a much happier, be in a much happier, more, more prosperous, more equal society is possible. You know, I mean, if we don't have that belief kind of we're doomed to inequality and racism and poverty you know and i just don't want to accept that as uh, you know kind of going forward no. i think we have you know the future hasn't been created yet you know we it's have the true. potential to yeah i hope i did the traveler community justice in this conversation yeah well thank you very much thank, thank you, you very everyone much. for listening as well Longer days collective